Good morning, everybody. It's January 19th, 2023. It's the Very Terrible Podcast. We're going to try our first shot at the Middle Management Minute. This is an idea that we talked about a while ago that um, I, I kind of wanted to have different segments. So if you remember from episode one, we talked about all the different things I did and all the different labor and job adventures I had over the years. They all had a common theme. Whether I was flipping burgers, or selling car parts, stocking shelves, putting out fires, it has come to my attention that really in my career path and in my life, I am the middle manager wherever I go. Um, when I was 15, you know, you could get what was called a working card. And I remember we would go around and look for jobs. And this is in an area that was uh, economically challenged. I'd, I'd call it now, you know, knowing what I know about how the way communities work and where I grew up, there wasn't a lot to pick from. And, you know, you go up to the local fast food place and I can remember clear as day, my mother would say, oh, I hope you get any job, but I just, I don't want you to get this one. And that's the way you knew it was going to work. That's the way, right? Because as a parent, you're like, oh God, I don't want this to work out. And that's exactly where it goes. So at 15 years old, I start my first job flipping burgers in a fast food restaurant and cleaning trash cans and bathrooms. And we had the smoking sections. So you're emptying ashtrays and filling salt and pepper shakers and learning how jobs work. You know, I, I was told my daughter last night that I remember minimum wage being three eighty-five an hour. You know, so I, that just shows you how far things have progressed, regressed, however you want to look at it. But three eighty-five an hour and I would work, I think at the time for 15 years old, you couldn't work more than like 15 or 20 hours a week. And it was on this little labor card. You had to carry it with you. And it was, and at the time, I'm sure they thought, yeah, when you're 15, you think it's important. Like, I got to have this card. And no one ever checked. Um, so from 15 until 18, I ended up, you know, in this fast food joint. And, you know, I'd work. You started the evolution of you're going to work uh, making you know, making the sandwiches and then you're in the deep fryer and there's all these different ranks and statuses that absolutely have no meaning to the real world. But, you know, and you and your little work community, you were, you were important if you could be the guy that fries the meat or the guy that runs the, we called it the bin. And it was just at the time the, all the burgers and, and sandwiches would sit in this thing and you'd have little time uh, markers that you'd put in it. So you can only keep it in there for 10 minutes and you'd have to throw it out. Um, and and you, you made your way around the restaurant. And then I remember, my 18th birthday and I was a senior in high school and they were just chomping at the bit. They said, well, we want to get you into this. I think it was like shift manager. I don't even remember what the terminology was back then, but it was a, the equivalent of, you know, you, you're dumb enough to know you're not getting screwed, but you're smart enough to make sure all the other kids don't cut their hands off. So we got, uh, you know, I got my first management title management shirt cause you're 18 and you can hold keys and you can lock up the restaurant and oh, this is so exciting. And it was my uh, beginning of my journey into the venture of, of management and really what it was. So it became less about, you know, making the burgers and making the fries. It was more about doing the inventory, making the schedule, making sure people came to work. If they didn't come to work, get someone to come to work. And, um, you know, and all the responsibilities at the time that came with it. And you didn't think much of it. You know, these fast food companies, uh, McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, doesn't matter, pick one. You know, multi-million to billion-dollar corporations. Um, the, you know, if you own one of these places, it is nothing but a cash cow for you. So there's actually a lot of responsibility involved that I wasn't even aware of at the time. 
and uh, until effectively we got robbed. And then that was good. So you never know really how valuable the, your, your job is until someone puts a pistol to the side of your head. But, you know, it, it's evidenced by me standing here that I made it out fine. But it was one of those lessons of, oh, yeah, they do actually they do take this stuff serious. There is money that they, you know, people do want and there's money going back and forth out of this place. So, you know, that first job, taking it from being the person that does the work to the person who now is responsible for getting it done is an expression that was taught to me later on. And like I mentioned earlier that this is about like an evolution of I just got a job and then that job turned into this management lifestyle and this management uh, mantra that you just I've carried with me throughout all my different jobs and employment throughout the years and locations. So I had a Dave and I both had a manager in Port Charlotte and the, in the grocery stores that we worked at. And, uh, he was very interesting. He would, uh, in the grocery stores, you had to carry box cutters. You know, you were always cutting boxes, putting things on the shelf and fixing displays and doing things. This is the only man I had never met up to this point that never carried a box cutter. He'd always carry a notepad and it would, you know, it would infuriate me. I'm like, the rest of us are busting our asses. And then there's this guy and on and on and on. And until later on when he, he took me under his wing and he taught me some things about management more than I you know, had known before, he had a very simple expression. It's not your job to do the work. It's your job to get it done. And I just let that sit. It's not your job to do the work. It's your job to get it done. So it's more about being that supervisor, being that manager, being that person who is going to be responsible. Like yours, your butt is the first one to get chewed when it doesn't get finished. However, I don't have, if, if you do the work, I don't need to have all these other people and then I have to find someone else to watch you. So, you know, that's where that whole disconnect I thought was there was, which was a valuable lesson later. So, uh, moving up to, once I got up to like 18, 18, 19, somewhere in there, uh, I ended up leaving what I thought was just, you know, okay, this is fast food. I'm done with this. Uh, I was at this stage of my life where adventure is afoot. Let's go see what's next. And I, I worked for a, a custom car place that I, I, to this day right now, I don't believe is in business anymore. But we were in upstate New York. And uh, where I lived was in a, a family apartment house where uh, the next door neighbor had ties to the family for years and years and years. He owned this, what was you know considered at the time, a custom car place, right? And this is in the early 90s. So there's low riders and we did sunroofs and custom paint and uh, all the accessories that you would slap on the cars, uh, headlight covers, taillight covers, all this bolt-on bullshit. And um, you know, then I just I started there, started working on cars. Okay, this is completely different. And eventually, well, the guy in the, on the sales desk didn't come in today, so you're going to go do the sales desk, and now you're doing the sales desk and the installs, and you know, we're just trying to juggle, juggle, juggle. And it was a real small business. There was only three people that worked there. Um, you know, and then once again, this job where it started with a hands-on, uh, you know, car install, car maintenance kind of a feel to it, turns into now I'm with customers. Now there's the the retail aspect again, and then all of a sudden it's okay. Now we're making orders, keeping inventory, and I'm like, oh, we're we're doing the same thing again, and it just turned into okay, whatever. This is this is just I guess what I do. That this business uh, moves from New York to Florida. We get down here to Florida. The business never takes off. So at the time, at 20 years old, trying to make ends meet, you know, I'm basically without family. My family is half, the, you know, the country height away. Uh, you know, no money. The business isn't taking off. I have to make some hard decisions. So I said, okay, 
I can try to we can keep this trying to keep this business get this thing off the ground during the day. I need a job overnights and sleep in between. And at you know 20 years old, you can still pull that off. So we get into the grocery store business. I get into a grocery store on an overnight stock shift, and then the years just start clicking by. You go from night shift to day shift, and you go from day shift to stocking. Then there's, oh, they need help in produce, and they need help in bigger. And all of a sudden, you start floating yourself around the store, and I'll be damned. It turns into the same thing all over again where it's like, oh, you know how to do everything? Well, you can now be in charge. And then it, you know, on the grocery store level, um, we went to, I, you know, I went from store to store to store whenever they had opportunities. You go through, you get promoted, and all of a sudden, I'm helping run a grocery store, and it's the same job all over again. Making schedules, keeping inventory, handling personnel issues. And it, you know, and that's where I end up meeting uh, Reese. The, when Dave and I, so I end up, has how I end up meeting Dave for, you know, when we started this podcast, is that Dave and I were stalkers together at one of the grocery stores. And, uh, you know, that's where I met Reese and it was, you know, this is it's not your job to do the work, it's your job to get it done. Keeping and polishing that that set of middle management skills. You weren't the person in charge, but you were right below the person. And I thought that was always my comfort zone. I like being like the number two guy. I don't need to be number one. Number one seems to get yelled at a lot. And sure, the money's great, but man, there's a lot of stress. Number two is good. You miss most of the frags and then you, you come down and you get a lot of the fringe benefits that... And you get to help, and you get to be that in between for everything that happens in your in your system. Um, in in the grocery stores, I actually end up uh, kind of branching out into the corporate side a little bit. And um, in in uh, Win Dixie was the store at the time. Uh, we had twenty one supermarkets between uh, Venice and Marco Island, Florida. So uh, they they decided on a corporate level, they were going to take the grocery store and chop it up into sections. Front end, produce, bakery, meat, grocery. Um, and then there were five of us. And then, so the five of us would travel between these 21 stores. And it was kind of cool. Like, you know, we had, you had a salary. They gave you a, a mileage stipend. They gave you the freedom to do whatever you needed to do. But once again, like, it's not your job. So mine was the front end. I was responsible for the money, the, uh, you know, the cash registers, uh, all the displays on the front and the training and the personnel and, and over the 21 stores. And then we all reported up to a higher manager that watched all of us. So, yeah, once again, I don't have time to run 21 supermarkets worth of are the bubblegum racks full. I have people I call that, you know, people I answer to and then people that answer to me. And that's just where I always ended up. I was never on the top, never wanted to be on the top. Just give me that number two spot. So, whether now I was a fast food guy or a grocery guy, I'm still that middle manager. So when Dixie obviously has their own money issues, they're going to go out of they more or less appear to go out of business. They're still around under a different cloak, and um, so that uh, BJ's Wholesale Club out of Boston comes into town. They're hunting for managers. Okay, fine, I go over there. I get a new title of senior manager. It doesn't matter. The titles are quite interchangeable. It doesn't make a difference. Uh, a senior manager at one location is the same thing as a junior manager at another chain. It, it doesn't really make a difference. So uh, we opened up the uh, BJ's Wholesale Club in the area, and I was, say, three from the top. Once again, bigger organization, more money flowing through the doors. That's a nice sweet spot. You sit there at number three. You get a lot of the perks. You don't get a lot of the, the big corporate issues that happen. But once again, schedules, <laughs> inventory, people management. It as this and so it goes by so then we do this now i do all that retail until 2008 um during that time i I met my wife we got married um and you know we're just working away 
and it, you get tired. You just get physically uh, tired. You get mentally and emotionally tired. And you're like, all right, I, it's time for a change. And uh, I've evolved myself through a, a you know, family that, that showed me a way to get into the fire department. So I go into the fire department. Um, and it's the same thing. Like, oh, this is great. It's hands-on. It's hoses. And you're fighting fires and saving the day and, and, and helping people. And then eventually, you know, it, 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 uh, we have labor unions getting involved in the labor union. Well, then it turns into personnel issues. And once again, it creeps up on you. You start as a union rep, you get personnel issues. I get on the pension board. There's going to be, there's money issues. And now I'm, I'm running a firehouse and it's, it's people management. So whether I was flipping burgers, stocking a grocery shelf, or you know, working at a firehouse, the job of management and people management has always been the same. I'll talk to Lori at night and you know we'll talk about our workplace issues and we go back and forth. And if she has an issue, I can use almost the same algorithms and the same solutions for what I do over in her workplace and they still work. So it doesn't matter really what it is that you do. So in your workplace, you know, what do you do and how much of it is really that function anymore? If you're in those management positions, isn't your job schedules, inventory, safety, and people? So, and that's, and that's what it turns into now, like a lot of the studies and a lot of the things I do, though I work for the fire department, I have all of this experience that's brought me to this point these are all people jobs. And to be a successful middle manager or a successful manager in any capacity, you really need to put people first. And I have some really wonderful uh, battalion chiefs and, and supervisors, my supervisors around me. We communicate so well. A lot of these jobs are just purely communication. And it's, you know, they ask, how can I help? And they have what's called a servant leadership mentality. And if you come into any situation with a servant leadership mentality of, I am here for you, I am here to help, how can I help make your day better? How can I help achieve our goals together? And every little idiosyncrasy from the look on your face to the way you conduct yourself to the words that you select, there's a big difference between us, our problems versus me, you, your problems. So you know, having that mentality of, okay, listen, we're all on the same team, we're going to do this together. How do we move forward? And and this all really came up. I had an issue last week, at you know where you know one of my uh, one of my team, who for years has always been very consistent, always in a good mood, always happy to be around. Something's up, and uh, things weren't happening around the firehouse the way they were supposed to. And you know, when when the wheel started coming off the bus, you know, things weren't getting done to the point of it was going to be a, a huger issue for everyone for the rest of the day. So trying to, you know, I tried to have a conversation with this person. And, um, you know, during the conversation, this person's acting completely out of character, just angry and just like back talk and snippy and all this stuff. And I'm like, uh, and, and in management, you'll find that uh, we always go by the saying, you know, we, we praise in public and we correct in private. And it was one of those where this conversation is now becoming public and it was supposed to be private and corrective in nature. And now it's out in a public atmosphere. Oh boy, this thing is going to turn into something that it wasn't designed to do. So, you know, I was lucky. I, I you almost, time just kind of stopped. 
and you had a moment of pause. And I got to reflect on all those experiences because this problem I was having that day, this, this past week, was the same problem I've had five years ago, is the same problem I've had 10 years ago, and the same problem I've had 15 years ago. We just changed the characters' names. And to have that experience to go, okay, this is no longer, this is an isolated incident with a, with a good person that does not need a systemic response. And, and I think that's what's really important to remember is, is if you're the manager and you're the person who's been given the privilege of the responsibility of keeping everyone safe and, and, and making sure everyone does their job and gets the goals of the team achieved, is that you will have to control the temperature of everything that goes on around you. The, uh, I, just, I collected myself and I said, all right, this isn't going to get solved today. We kind of just we, we agreed to disagree and we moved on, and as a team, we got our goals achieved for the day. However, you know, I, and we're still in the middle of this 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 week that this situation that I'm in right now. We're still in the middle of it, so we're I'm going to wait a few more days after today, revisit this situation with this individual, and continue the discussion. But it won't be about work, and I think that's important to remind myself and remind you and and remind everybody that listens to remember that a lot of these issues when you have members of your team that you've been entrusted with that are have been consistently good for you know weeks months years at a time you're, you're going to have bad days we all have them and a lot of the the things that we i try to talk about with my team is that there's that work home balance where i can have a really bad day at work but my priorities are at home my two my girls at home are, are the most important so if i'm having a bad day at work but everything's good at home, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference. It, I, we can you know, compartmentalize that, put it to the side. The problems will always be there because if they didn't have problems, they wouldn't pay you to solve them. And then I can go home and I can see my girls. Now, flip it. If the things are, even if things are great at work, if things are bad at home, things now become bad at work. That for me is my hierarchy. So, you know, as long as things are good at home, I don't really care what happens at work. But, you know, if things aren't good at home, then you've, you know, I've got to prioritize that. So I'm looking at this situation that I'm in right now that I've been in in the past, whether it was flipping burgers, whether it's grocery store, whether it's fire department. And I'm going, okay, there's a person in front of me who has been consistently good for years, who is having what we can only assume is at least a bad day. How can I help? Where's that, where's that servant leadership mentality that goes outside the box that says, you know what, it's not just about fire department stuff. We can, we can handle any fire department thing we need to as a team. It's not going to be the end of the day, but let's talk more about what's important. What, how can I help at home? And you're probably not going to be able to. The fact of the matter is, is that people's personal problems are just that, personal problems. But sometimes all it takes is just a shoulder to lean on, an open ear, and just to sit there and go, uh-huh, uh-huh. And share a story if you have one and just be there as a leader and be there as their friend. And there's a lot that can go with that. And that was what I wanted to talk about as far as the very base of the middle management minute. The things that uh, the very the uh, base of where we would go from here in this little kind of mini series of uh, podcast shows to say whatever issues that you're going to come into. You've got a boss. You're the boss of other people. You exist in this uh, moving gray area that moves up and down and flows just like water or waves on water. And how can you serve? How can you help more? How can you achieve the team goals 
while still keeping morale up, keeping everyone achieving their own personal goals while achieving professional goals and keeping everyone safe. So we'd love to hear, or I'd love to hear what you have to say. I'd love to hear your stories um, about how uh, experiences you've had and maybe there's some correlation between the jobs that you've had and and the things that you've done versus some of the things that I've done. And you know, if we the more we share, the more we grow together as our own little podcast family, as screwed up as we are. So that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for joining the Middle Management Minute. Um, we hope to have some more soon. And if you have topics, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram. I think there's a TikTok. And uh, yeah, this has been the Middle Management Minute. I'm Jason. We'll see you next time on the Very Terrible Podcast.